0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: People have asked me this question: how do you know that there's a God? I mean, come on, what proof do you have? And you could go through all kinds of different things to prove that there's a God, but you know, honestly, what it comes down to it is, well, I know there's a God because I know him. He has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into my heart, and so I have this sense that I have this relationship with God.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 in a message titled, Sons and Heirs. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: It was God's appointed time, and just a quick little reminder. Look, God has an appointed time. Has God given you a promise? Has God spoken something to you? And you're thinking, well, I don't know, you know, maybe God's not going to keep his promise because it's been so long. But listen, God is seldom early, but he's never late. He's right on time. And so don't worry. He's going to come through just like he did here. Now, Paul tells us four things about what happened in the fullness of time? Number one, he says that God sent forth his son. And why this is important to note is because it, the very statement itself shows us something about Christ. It shows us that he was pre existent, it shows us that he came into the world from outside the world. God sent forth his son. You see, Jesus, it, you know, some people have, have wondered this, asked this. I've even had uh, Jewish and Muslim people ask me this question. How could a man become God? That's their question. How could a man become God? Well, the answer is a man can't become God. And a man didn't become God. That's not what we teach. That's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? That God became a man. That's a whole different story. And if God is God, he could certainly become a man if he chose to do so, and he did choose to do so in the person of his son and so it was in the fullness of time that God sent forth his son Jesus over and over again he made it a point to tell people that he came into the world he was sent into the world he was sent by his father and so we have a reference to his pre-existence we have a reference to his deity but then it says that he was born of a woman why does it say that because it wants us to know that Jesus was a real human being. He wasn't um, like a a superhero, you know, that came from another planet as a full-grown man. He wasn't uh, a spirit being who just sort of appeared here and there in a seemingly human body, but it wasn't really a human body. No, he was born of a woman. He was a human being, just like we are. So in these two statements, you have a reference to both the, the divinity of Christ and to the humanity of Christ. See, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the God-man. Somebody asked the question the other day, well, you know, why is Jesus so special, or why, why, why does he stand out among the other religious leaders in history well he stands out because Jesus is God and no other religious leader even claimed to be God but Jesus did; he claimed to be God the son who became a man and Paul affirms that here but then he says that he was born under the law he was born under the law now born under the law means that he was he was born as a son of the law if you have Jewish friends, you might be familiar with uh, what 's called a bar mitzvah uh, a bar mitzvah is for boys and a bat mitzvah is for girls and it it basically means you become a son or a daughter of the law, a son or a daughter of the commandment and so jesus he 's born into that situation. He is a son of the law, meaning he comes into the world and he's sub- subject to the law. Not just the general law that we talked about a moment ago that's written in the, in the hearts of everybody, the faint traces of God's law that's still there even in the heart of, of all people, but the law. He comes into the world as a son of the law in order to keep the law so that he can then pay the price for those who have transgressed the law. And this was a huge part of uh, what we know about Jesus, that he kept the law. He never violated, he kept it perfectly. He did the one thing that must be done in order to be saved by the law. You have to keep it, Jesus kept it. And so he could then pay the penalty for those that violated the law, which would be the rest of us. And then finally to redeem those who are under the law. And that's what he did. By, by keeping the law himself and then by dying in the place of those who had violated the law, he redeemed those who are under the law. And so Paul says, he did all of this that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So we talked about, in a previous uh, message, we talked about our position. Remember, we talked about our position in Christ. So we've got our position, which is we're in Christ. We're seated in the heavenly places. We, we talked about that. But then we've got the, the practical reality of our salvation being worked out here on earth. Now, here we have a similar kind of a thing that Paul's talking about. We have received adoption as sons in Christ. So this is our position. Positionally, we are the sons of God. And remember, I, I pointed out how uh, sons is used intentionally here not because it excludes daughters they're included in sons but it's used specifically because the son in that culture especially the adopted son was the heir of everything so in Roman culture you could have a wealthy Roman citizen who did not have a natural born heir and what they would often do is they would adopt a slave they might be a uh, have a household of slaves and and one of them maybe they would become attached to like a father and a son and so that wealthy man would adopt the slave make him his son and then pass on his inheritance to him that's the picture that Paul is using so that's what's happened to us we have been adopted brought into the family and we are now the heirs. We're heirs of God, Paul says in Romans 8, and we're joint heirs with Christ. So that's our position. But then he goes on and he says regarding the, because we are sons, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So here's the experiential side of it. So there's the positional aspect of our salvation and then there's the experience aspect of it so there's what is ours by fact and faith and then there is the experience of it there's the feeling of it now the problem is our feelings fluctuate and we most of the time let our feelings control at least what we think about the facts. And if our feelings don't line up with the facts, we tend to go with the feelings and ignore the facts. We've got to get this fact lodged in our brains. We are the children of God. And that's it. That's who we are. Whether we feel that or not is a different thing. But we do feel it. We don't feel it all the time, unfortunately. I mean, I would love to just walk around all day, every day, feeling like, man, I am a child of God. And I feel God is so close to me and he's right here in my ear whispering to me, that would be fantastic, but it's just not the reality. But, thank God, there are those experiential moments as well. And here, it's, Paul says that it's the spirit of God's son that he has sent forth into our hearts by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So the experience is that of being the children of God. Now, sometimes people ask this question. People have asked me this question. I've heard it asked on many occasions to others. How do you know that there's a God? I mean, come on, what proof do you have? And you could go through all kinds of different things to prove that there's a God to a certain extent. But, you know, honestly, what it comes down to it is, well, I know there's a God because I know him. I have a relationship with him. I have an experience with him. He has sent forth the spirit of his son into my heart. And so I cry out, Abba, Father, from the innermost depths of my being, I have this sense that I have this relationship with God. Now, that's, that's a very subjective thing, but it's a very real thing. You see, our, our Christian faith is not to just be based on objective facts, although it is that. But there's a subjective element to it as well. We're supposed to experience God. We're supposed to feel his presence and hear his voice and know his nearness to us. And we do. And every time we cry out, maybe in a moment of fear, we cry out, Oh Lord, Oh Father, help. That's the spirit within us. Or in a time of uh, elation, a time of, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it, this is such a wonderful moment. Oh, Father, thank you. That's the Spirit welling up in us. We are the children of God. And because of that, we have this sense of being in this relationship with our Father. And Paul uses the word here, Abba. And this is an Aramaic word. And it transferred into the Greek language as well. So even, you could go to Greece today and you can hear uh, young children referring to their, you could hear them use this word, even though it's an Aramaic word. But it's a word that means, it's an intimate word, and it probably is best translated into English as papa. Some people say daddy. Maybe it's daddy. Some people say dada, because they say it's like the The you know just like the very first words that are being uttered by a child recognizing their their father, Um, but suffice it to say, it's a word that implies intimacy, and it's that intimacy between a father and a child, a child and its father. Now, of course, we know that not everybody has that kind of human experience where you have a wonderful father-child relationship. But regardless of that, we have to recognize that, you know, that the reality is God and the way he loves us is what a father is supposed to be. Now, as we think about this relationship for a moment, I want to just remind you of five benefits. My wife said to say benefits because she doesn't like me to say things because things don't to her, sound important enough. So she ran all the way back to the back of the stage to tell me, say benefits, don't say things. (laughs) Sometimes I find a text in the Bible where it says these things. I'm like, look, right here, it says things, okay? (laughs) But I love her, so I'm gonna say benefits. (laughs) Five benefits. Real quickly just think about this. And, and this is, I want you to think about this in relationship. This is it. This is what we, we have as the children of God, as what Paul's talking about here. We have protection. A father protects his children. And so we, as the children of God, who's the, the spirit of his son has been sent forth into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, we have that confidence that God is with us. He is our protector. He's also our provider. And you know, this is the thing that the world doesn't know anything about. And this is the thing, honestly, that religious people don't know anything about. You can be a person who's devoutly religious, but you don't, the thought of God as being your father. You know, in Islam, I mean, there are very many devout Muslims, right? They're very, very serious about their faith. But in Islam, The relationship between God, Allah, in their language, and the person is the relation, it's like the relationship between a slave and a master. That's the picture in Islam it's a slave and a master. In Christianity, it's a father and his children. Man, what a contrast, what a radical difference. That's why so many Muslims are coming to faith when they really begin to understand what the gospel is and that they can go from being a slave-master relationship to a child-father relationship. A father provides, a father takes care of you. And you know, that's true. It doesn't even matter your age, does it? My kids are all grown up. They're all adults and we're still taking care of them. We're still providing for them. And we don't mind. We love doing it. And we figure, well, you know, Lord's given us some money. Well, what are we going to do with it? We'll just take care of our kids. You know, we'll help them out. Because that's what fathers do. That's what parents do. I was talking to a a man after first service. You know, I shared this first service, and he was telling me, he's 71 years old. He said, yeah, I'm 71. My dad's 97, and my dad still treats me like I'm 19. (laughs) That's just the way it is. That's the way it works. This is our Father, provides for us, guides us, guides us through life. We're not left to just try to figure it out, just, you know, out lost in the desert, trying to find our way to water, trying to find our way to, you know, civilization. No, God guides us through life. But here, the two last things to me are so beautiful. It's access, This is the amazing thing. We have access. Abba, Father, we can come before our Father anytime. You know, throughout my entire life as a father, my kids have always had immediate access. I mean, they wouldn't settle for anything less. They're just going to bust down the door, didn't matter what I was doing, and they were going to talk to me when they needed to talk to me. And, of course, I didn't mind that. I wanted that. I wanted them to know that. And we have that with God. We have this unrestricted access. Amazing. There's never a time when you are going to call out to the Lord and you're going to get a recording that says, you know, if you know your party's extension, (laughs) enter it now. Don't you hate that when that happens? I hate that. Or you're going you know, to get the secretary that says, sorry, no, they're not available right now. It's, that's not going to happen. We have direct access to the father. He's our father. And he stops everything, so to speak, and, and welcomes us right in. And then fifthly, finally, the unconditional love of a father. You know, this is the way it is with our children. We love them unconditionally. We love them when they're naughty. We love them when they're nice. We, you know, it does, it, we, we just keep loving them. And these are the, the truths that apply to our relationship with God. He loves us unconditionally. He doesn't, you know, we, we always think, we're just wired this way, unfortunately. We're, we're wired to think that he loves us if we perform well. But we've got to get away from that model. We've got to get away from that idea and realize, no, God loves us. Whether we perform well or not. Now, part of loving us is sometimes disciplining us. So if we're disobedient, he doesn't just go, oh, well, I love you, don't worry about it. He he will discipline us because that's what a loving father does. But he doesn't stop loving us. He continues to love us. And this is the thing that we need to... We, we really need to get a hold of this because love is the thing that frees us from all of these these insecurities and these bondages and and things that we find ourselves in. You know when you know you 're loved it it enables you actually to function more normally and, and better in life you 're not constantly falling under. The, the condemnation and the fear and so you end up as Paul finally says he says if you are in Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise that's chapter 3 verse 29 verse 7 therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of God through Christ you see no longer a slave to performance-based acceptance and the fear that accompanies that When we have the idea that our acceptance with God is based on performance, that result, that leads us to to live in fear. Paul described it this way in Romans chapter 8. He said, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. It's the same thing he's saying right here. You see, when, when it's a legal relationship, then there's fear. And the fear is rooted in my failure to live up to the legal standard but you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That's Romans 8. It's the same thing that Paul is saying here in Galatians 4. So we have now entered in to this relationship. This is the deepest relationship. This is the the ultimate relationship. And, And once again, Paul's pushing back on the Galatians, and he's saying, look, you're already there. God is your father. He sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. You have this relationship. What are you even thinking about with the law? Why would you go under the law? The law was there just for its, it, it was temporarily there until Christ could come You couldn't enter the inheritance under the law, but now that Christ has come, you have entered the inheritance. You've got everything you could ever need or want or imagine. So don't even think to try to enhance this. It's impossible. And so as we close, if there's anything that I think that we as Christians have missed, there's a few things, but one of them is the grace of God. We know it theoretically. We talk about it. We know we're saved by grace, but we don't necessarily live in the context of grace. We don't necessarily really experience it because our default is to always go back to performance. And God wants to free us from that. And he wants to free us from that by reminding us that we are his children. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. And this is the truth that, and Jesus said this. He said, Father, that I may be in them and you in me and that the love with which you have loved me, that they would know that you love them with that same love as well. You see, when God looks at you and he looks at me, man, he loves us. How much does he love us? Well, you know what what he feels like when he looks at Jesus? That's what he feels like when he looks at you too. Remember the prophecy in Isaiah 42, where the Lord spoke about his servant in whom he said, this is my servant in whom my soul delights. And then remember at the baptism of Jesus, this is my beloved son. And then at the transfiguration, this is my beloved son. And guess what? When he looks at you, when he looks at me, that's the same thing. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. These are the people that I love. And let's embrace that, accept that, recognize that. The Spirit, God sent His Spirit into our hearts, and so we can cry out, Abba, Father. We have that intimacy. He's given us that, and He expects us to live in the reality of that. So may God help us.
0: month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. If you've ever pondered if there is really only one way to God, or if all religions ultimately lead you to God, then this book is for you. Rebecca McLaughlin addresses this very topic and others that confront Christianity head on. The book Confronting Christianity is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443 That's 1-800-733-6443 Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from pastor brian as we study together in the book of galatians back to basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of calvary chapel costa mesa california
1: hi this is cheryl and
0: Brian Broderson
1: And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And
0: we want you there with us. Yeah,
1: the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian, you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the
0: Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem, or Caesarea,
1: yep. or
0: Mount, Mount Carmel. Carmel.
1: Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.